30 minutes or so diving in to the first of the Psalms in the Old Testament. Now, just before we get there, I want to remind you of what I consider personally to be one of the greatest marvels of technology in the modern age genuine game changer. And it's the reality that each one of you probably in your pocket right now on your phone, you have a personal navigation system. It works by GPS. It tells you exactly where you are on the planet and it can take you wherever you need to go on the planet. It's pretty amazing, right? Now, when I got my driver's license in the year 2000, things worked a little bit differently. Now, in that time in life, we all had our UBD Perth Street Directory. Come on. In 2018, you can still buy one. Now, I was thinking this week, I feel sorry for the individual who's got the marketing gig on this thing. But anyway, we all had we all had our UBD. Mine was a late 90s edition. Most of us kept it jammed into the side compartment of our passenger door. Come on, was anyone else doing that? It's just kind of crumpled in there. All the pages are going crazy. And this is how we got around. And I remember at this time in my life, I was working in a catering job where you'd go out on location to all kinds of random places in Perth. And I had this particular job deep in the hills. And as a 17-year-old, I had no concept of that part of Perth. And I thought, okay, I need to get the old UBD out. And then I realized I'd misplaced it. Beautiful. And I was at my friend's house. And I said, Paul, can I borrow your street directory? And he's like, no way. I've lost three of those things already. Those things are like gold. Hey, anyone else lost one of those and like that, you know, you're just stuffed. You can't get anywhere. But he said, here's what you can do. You can look at it before you leave and get a sense of where to go. Anyone done that before with a street directory? It's like, it is a bad undertaking. And I'd never really thought about how to do this well. And this is the system that I used to get to where I needed to go. I thought, okay, what's the last main road where I know where I am on this journey? And it was like the Mitchell Freeway. And... <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you even go on the freeway to go down to the hills, do you, where I was living from? But at any rate, I, I planned my route not even thinking about street names. This is how, uh, can you call yourself dumb here at True North? If you're the one speaking, I think, yeah, I, I was dumb. And this is how I planned my route. I was like, okay, here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to plan it by the lefts and the rights. So I memorized, like, from this main road, second left, fourth right, third left, sixth right, sixth left, Second right, first right, third left. And I kind of put this all in my head. And so I think I got this. I think I got this. And remarkably, I actually got to where I was going. Right? That's crazy. That's crazy. I can't think of a worse system to remember your route. But I got there, and, and I worked this year. It was a pretty bad job. It was like eight hours doing like all the bad jobs at someone's reception out in the hills. And I got back in the car, took a deep breath. Oh, I'm glad that's over. <laughs> now, where the heck am I? And then I realized my system was about to come powerfully unstuck. Because in order to get home, I was going to have to reverse all of my left and rights, and I was going to have to reverse the order. I think I made it two turns, and then I was just completely lost. I'm in the hills. It's 2 a.m. I'm like, this is terrible. I think I got home at about four in the morning that particular night. I got home by catching a glimpse of the R&I Tower, as it was called at the time, and made my way back. It was just awful. But now 2018, you can get that sucker off the screen. We don't need that anymore. We've got things like Google Maps, and you can simply punch the address in, and it'll tell you exactly where to go. It'll call it out every turn. 
doesn't even get angry with you. If you go the wrong way, there's no like, come on, Phil, you're even concentrating. <laughs> it's just like recalculating. <laughs> recalculating. <laughs> you're fine. I've got this. Here we go. It's the best thing in the world, particularly if you're, you know, navigationally challenged as I am. But here's one of the features of Google Maps in particular that I really love. That as you put your address in and you plan your journey, you're given a couple of different paths to how you can get there. You have route number one. Now, there's a reason we all choose route number one, unless you're one of those big shots. It's like, I don't trust my GPS. I know Perth. I know there's a couple of you like that. Right, I won't ask for hands up. But the reason we choose route one is because route two comes up in gray, and it says something like five minutes slower. So, okay, I'm not going to choose route two. Or it might even, if you're lucky, you'll get a route three option, and that's seven minutes slower. So we always choose route one because we have a qualitative measure as why this is the best path to take. Now, as we head into Psalms 1, I want you to hold on to that idea of the measures that we have in our life that can tell us encourage us that we're on the right path. Now, as we head into this scripture, the psalmist is going to try and do that for us when it comes to the life of faith and the path that we walk on in connection with God. So, are we ready to get into scripture this morning? Come on, you can open your text if you have one, or it will be on the screens if you don't. So, we're going to start in verse 1. Verse 1. Blessed is the one. Someone say Blessed. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight, someone say delight, say it like you're delighted, delight, big smile, I love it, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Now, here's a beautiful picture from verse 3, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not, we- does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff, the, the covering of the grain that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous." For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Now, the psalmist here in the opening psalm of the Old Testament is beginning to demonstrate the power and value of a life lived connected to God, of how significant that is. But then also throughout the psalm and its verses, he's comparing and contrasting the difference between walking on that path of connection with God, on connection with Jesus, and walking on the path of separation from God and Jesus. You know, I want us to start with this first phrase, it's the opening verses here in our psalm, and it's simply, blessed is the one. Blessed is the one. Because this is the opening promise as he begins to talk about those two paths that we might walk upon. Here's the promise at the beginning, that blessed is the one who walks the path of connection with God. Now, that word blessed is an important one for us to calibrate our minds around before we head further into this scripture. Now, sometimes when I think of the blessings of God, I limit them to the positive circumstances that I experience in my life. 
Now, here's what I mean by that. Let's say, for example, I'm in a position of financial health, and I say to someone, yeah, God's blessed me in my finances. Now, on one hand, it's a really positive thing to give God the credit and the glory for anything good that I experience. But on the other hand, it's limiting to reduce the blessings of God to a positive reality in my life. Another example, I might say to someone, I've got a healthy marriage. God's blessed me in my marriage, Brian. He's like, that's awesome. And again, it's great to give God the glory for things that are going well. But when I limit the blessings of God, again, to a positive circumstance that I'm experiencing in my life, I put a limit on my understanding of what it means to know the blessedness of God. You know, when the psalmist writes this phrase, some words that you could attach to it to expand its meaning and make it deeper, is to say, whole is the one. Complete is the one. Fulfilled is the one. Blessed is the one. Complete in their very innermost being is the one regardless of the circumstances that may or may not define their life. Blessed is the one, whole is the one, complete is the one that lives a life connected with God. Let's go to the next few verses. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step. I want you to hold on to that phrase, to walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Now, from the promise, the psalmist moves to a place of instruction. He says, blessed is the one, whole is the one, complete is the one that does not walk in step with the things that are separate from who God is. But then he describes delight in the law of the Lord. He's talking about delighting in the ways of the Lord. He's talking about delighting in the ways of who God is. It's this idea being presented of what are we walking in step with? A path that is separate from God? Are we walking in step? Are we ordering our lives around things that in their nature are separate from who God is? And then the appeal to delight in the ways of the Lord is to say, order your life around the things that connect you to who God is. And this is where that place of wholeness comes from, that place of blessedness, when we order our steps in connection with who God is. You know, I think one of the key words that are going to help create an idea of how we actually begin to do this is a really nice word. It's delight. It's delight, to delight in who God is, to delight in His ways. You know, have you ever noticed that the things that we love, the things that we delight in, the things that we enjoy, the things that we connect value to, they tend to be the things that we walk in step with. Have you ever noticed that? That the things that we delight in are the things that naturally we walk in step with. So it seems that the most important thing for us to begin to take hold of is to delight in who God is. And when we delight in who God is, 
our steps quite naturally will be ordered around who he is. So how do we build this heart of delight in who God is? How do we build this heart within us that adores God, that praises God, that assigns value to God, that worships God? You know, I think in our lives, there's got to be things that point toward that desire. And as we get deeper into the psalm, we're going to see how that question unfolds. Walk in step of connection with God. Let's go to verse 3. And we see this amazing picture of the tree and the contrasting picture of the chaff. It's the the outer covering of the grain that, that would be blown away in the wind, discarded. It didn't have value. Let me take you back to these verses. We'll read them again together. Now, that person, the person who delights in who God is, delights in his way, walks in step with connection with God, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And in verse 4, not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away that the wind blows away. You know, I love, I love this, uh, these verses here and the picture that, that it creates and the encouragement of what it means to, to live a life connected to God. And we see, of course, in this text, the, the picture of the stream. And it's almost like a sense of renewal that that tree experiences, that when the tree's planted by the stream, its leaf doesn't wither. The day after day, it's renewed by the stream. And because it's renewed by the stream, it gives its fruit in season. You know, in the New Testament, to add some life to this picture, Jesus often describes himself as being that kind of water, as being water that's alive. In John chapter 4, Jesus sits down with a Samaritan woman. She's getting a drink from the well. Jesus sits with her, asks for a drink. They have a conversation. And then Jesus offers her living water. The kind of water that if you drink from, it will renew you continually. Now, she didn't quite understand what Jesus was talking about, but he was talking about connection with himself. He was talking about faith in his name. He was talking about the gospel, that it's living water, that it quenches the thirst of the soul continually day after day. And leaves us in a place of renewal as our faith is placed in him. A little bit later in John 7 and verse 38, Jesus says these words, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. That that picture of the stream becomes alive in us. Renewing day after day, week after week. But the word that I gravitate to in this picture of promise is planted, is being planted by the stream. Sometimes it can feel in our journey of faith and in our own souls that we don't experience the kind of renewal that's being talked about here in the Psalms. And I wonder if the piece that we're missing is that we fail to see the value of truly being planted by the stream of doing what it takes to send down roots and be planted by the stream. 
you know, it's somewhat of an exciting time for an Australian basketball fan. The, the NBA playoffs have started, and uh, you might have seen in the West Australian even this weekend, the Philadelphia 76ers there in the sports section amongst all the football stuff. And it's because there's a young kid from Melbourne who's had his first season playing for the 76ers, and it's been really good, and they're in the finals now and track them pretty well. Now, there's something funny about this particular team. For a number of years, they've been terrible, like real bad. I'm talking like pre-LeBron, Cleveland bad, just like uh, if you haven't met Dean, our senior pastor, he loves the Cleveland Cavaliers. Don't speak to him about it. Is there a game today? If anyone knows the score, don't tell him. Anyway, they've been terrible. They've been terrible for a, a, number, a number of years. And in a time in the NBA where teams and franchises were trying to make quick fixes, to spend millions of dollars to sign big stars to instantly turn the freight, the fate of their franchise around. So many teams were trying to do this. Lots of teams wasted heaps of money on busts. Some teams did it well. And Philadelphia, they went a different route. Said, we've got some young guys here. We're going to coach them well. We're going to invest in them. Game after game, season after season, we're going to get better. And there was this awesome mantra that came out of the Philadelphia 76ers over the last few seasons. And it's simply this. Trust the process. Trust the process. And they got an awesome young player who, who really famously, after these like real bad losses, would continually use this phrase. We got to just trust the process. Day after day, week after week, we just got to keep showing up. We just got to keep showing up. And now all of a sudden, this season, they had more wins than they had over the last three years. Trusting the process. You know, I think sometimes the reason that I don't thoroughly plant myself by the stream. It's because sometimes in the day-to-day and in the week-to-week, I don't trust the process of spending time with my Savior. So often, I think we make the mistake of living our journey of faith a day at a time. And we can sometimes think, on Monday, tomorrow, it'd be good if I read my Bible. Maybe if I opened up a psalm. But then, would it really be that bad if I didn't? In the context of tomorrow, is it really going to transform my life in a massive way if I open my Bible tomorrow or not? And the answer to that question, I believe, is that every time we open up God's Word, He can speak. But I also agree, if it's just limited to the context of Monday next week, it's not going to have a huge impact transformationally in your life. But I tell you what will, is if every day you say that God's Word is living and active. That if every day you say the Holy Spirit's going to speak to me through Scripture today, when you do that every day, that's a discipline that plants you by the stream. And that's where that picture of renewal comes from. A tree that's leaf, doesn't wither, that bears fruit out of its connection to the stream. I wonder what are the planting disciplines in your life? You might say, on Tuesday, I'm going to pray. On Tuesday, I'm going to pray. I'm going to let God know how grateful I am for the cross, for salvation. I'm going to bring my shortcomings before I'm going to bring my, I'm going to confess my sin. And then Tuesday comes along, you might think, does it really make a difference today if I don't pray or not? And again, limited to the context of that one day, Maybe it doesn't make that big a difference. But when you pray every day, when you take five minutes of your day to simply pray, Jesus, would you be with me today? 
Jesus, help me to know your presence. You know, when you do that every day, you're like a tree planted by the stream. And you'll live in the wholeness and renewal that comes from being connected to the Father. Like streams of living water flowing from within us. How are we planting in Him? How are we planted in Him? I'm going to take you to the final two verses. Verses 5 and 6. Here's how the psalmist finishes his conversation around these two paths that we might take, connection or separation from God. And in verse 5, he says this, Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. He's saying those separated from God cannot stand before the judgment of God. Nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous... For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked, the way of separation from God, leads to destruction. Because it's in, in its definition, it is separate from the source of everything that is good in who God is. Now, when I read these verses, at first glance, we're presented with something of a black and white picture. That, if I'm honest, seems a little bit removed from the heart of who I see Jesus to be. Now, something we've got to remember as we approach these final two verses is that the psalmist that wrote this beautiful passage, he didn't know at that time how the story ends. He didn't know the name Jesus Christ. He didn't know the name of Jesus that brings new definition to the idea of what it means to stand in the judgment of God. You know, when you, when you read these verses at the end of this passage, it's easy to think that the path of righteousness is defined by the moral boundaries at the edge of that path. Has anyone read this like that before? That it sounds, it sounds a little bit like that. That the path of the righteous is defined by the righteous boundaries at the edge of that path. And that if I stray outside of those boundaries of righteousness in my life, by definition, it means that I'm no longer walking on the path connected to God, but I'm walking on a path that's separated from God. You know, I believe that we do ourselves a great disservice when we think about living our lives connected to God through that type of a lens. When we think that the path is defined by the behaviors that determine whether we're connected to God or not, where in fact the path needs to be defined by the individual that the path is centered upon. It's Jesus. That the path isn't about the boundaries, the path is about the one that walks at its center. So that when I walk shoulder to shoulder with Jesus... I can stand before the judgment of God. That when I walk shoulder to shoulder with Jesus, I'm welcomed into the assembly of the righteous. When I walk shoulder to shoulder with Jesus, he watches over my way because he is the way. He is the way. He is the path. So I can walk on a path of connection with who God is. I can stumble and I can fall. But as long as I stumble and fall alongside Jesus, I stay on that path. 
And here's how it works. That when we walk in step with our Saviour, when we're planted in Him, when we allow that path to be defined by who He is, and we walk shoulder to shoulder with Jesus, a transformation comes based on the one who is at the centre of that path. You know, I wonder, in your journey of faith, are you walking a path of relationship with Jesus? Or are you walking a path of religion? Are you walking a path that's defined by boundaries? Are you walking a path that's defined by what I should or should not do? Or are you walking a path defined by every day with Jesus? And then when we're planted in that, that transformation comes. I'm not saying that we never have to change, that we never have to work on things, that we never have to apply discipline to our character, because we do. But the motivation comes from a very different point, that I'm not righteous before God because of what I'm able to do or not. I'm righteous before God because I walk shoulder to shoulder with Jesus. And then as I walk upon that path... I'm transformed as streams of living water that come from my Savior become alive in me. All of a sudden, I start to walk differently. My step is different. I walk in step with my Savior. He is the way. You know, this week, I want to arm you with some questions to process in your own life. And as I give you these, I'm going to ask the team to, to come back and join us. Here's some questions that I want you to consider, that I want you to maybe write down. Maybe you can take a screenshot on the screens. But take hold of these questions and wrestle with them this week. The first one is this. What am I walking in step with? And what I mean by that is, is what is your life ordered around? Are you walking in step with things that connect you to God? Are you walking in step with things that separate? Here's an awesome question. How am I planting myself in Him? How am I planting myself in Him? You know, I think one of our biggest problems, maybe it's just me, is that we're people that have become very good at visiting the stream. The psalmist talks about this picture of being planted by the stream. We become very good at visiting the stream when we feel a particular thirst in our soul or whatever it might be that we say, yeah, I'm going to visit the stream. Whatever that looks like. Might be getting along to a service on a Sunday every now and then. I'm just going to visit the stream. You know, transformation comes, wholeness comes, blessedness comes when we learn to not only visit the stream, but have the disciplines in our life that plant us in the stream. Now, most of you here, you know what those are. You know how you best connect with God. You know the things that you put into place in your life at different times that you know plants you by the stream. And if you don't know the answer to that question, come and talk to me after the service. I'd love to have a conversation with you. Where to open your Bible. What you might pray. Maybe for the first time to say, I want to be planted in that stream. I want to know God. 
come and talk to me, maybe Pastor Dean after the service. We'd love to speak more into that. And the final question, and I don't want you to glance over this one. Let it sink in for a moment. Am I walking a path of relationship defined by Jesus? Or am I walking a path of religion defined by boundaries or other things? Is relationship with Jesus the center of your faith? Let me pray for you. And in fact, could we, could we stand together as we pray? I just invite you to close your eyes as you reflect. Reflect on these questions. Reflect on this psalm. Let me pray for you. God, I want to thank you that there is power. There is joy. There is wholeness. There is fulfillment in living a life connected to you, Lord. And God, I pray that this week, that even now by your Holy Spirit, your presence that's here with us, Lord. God, I pray that you would help us to to tune our step into you, Lord God. Help us to order our life more around who you are. God, help us to be planted in you. God, take our heart, take our mind to the spaces where we can do that disciplines of your word, of prayer, spiritual conversations, whatever it might be. God, how can we plant more in who you are? And Jesus, finally, we thank you that you are the way, that you are the truth, that you are the life. And Jesus, we just want to walk shoulder to shoulder with you. We recognize that at its absolute core, Faith is about living every day with you, Jesus. And God, as we continue to sing, even in this moment, Lord, as we declare your greatness once more, God, Jesus, I ask and I thank you that each one of us can declare it, walking shoulder to shoulder with who you are. We praise you, God. Lord, how great are you, How great are you, God. We praise you, God. Come on, let's sing it together.